Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Therapy sucks. Or so you thought. I know it can be a little bit awkward having to make the appointment, having to go visit someone, sit down, take time out of your day. And as busy as we all are, I can understand. It seems like impossible to do so. Fortunately for us at The Coffee Breakup, we're sponsored by BetterHelp. And with BetterHelp, you literally have access to the therapist at your fingertips. Coolest thing about them, literally, you sign up, create a profile, they'll match you with a therapist that's pretty much going to be with exactly what you're looking for. So how important is it with mental health? I mean, we got stressed throughout the day, whether it's work, life, your partner, whatever it may be. Better help, you're able to have access to have to actually talk to someone about your problems that can really guide you in the right direction. I don't know about you, that's pretty important if you want to actually have like a normal life or anything, just saying. Coolest thing about us, you know, it is 10% off for all of the Coffee Breakup listeners for your first month. So sign up now at betterhelp.com slash the coffee breakup. Again, that's 10% off for your first entire month. Literally no excuse. Check out for your mental health today. Later. It's not like a matter of can I afford it? It's a matter of I'm sick. I'll go see a doctor and they'll provide the best service they can. Not because they can charge you as much as they can, but because you're sick. So it's it's great because it's convenient. But then it also it also isolates you because you don't have to go to GNC and have the conversation with a guy in the store. Everyone's going to have some problems. Women are stupid if you think that men don't have problems. We got problems up, up the wazoo. Too many fucking problems. Shit that you wouldn't even understand. a desire for more schooling for more knowledge um and the reason i ended up diving into psych is because from the age of six years old i knew what a baker act was do you guys know what a baker act is yeah isn't that when, when they uh, force you into like what is it 48 hours 72 hour observation yeah like it said yeah because like you're like lock you up yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, like you're fucking no, crazy, and then like, we got a yeah. fucking yeah. So it's it's basically uh, it could be you're fucking crazy, but if we break it down to, to regular terms, that's okay, bro. Whatever, bro. <laughs> I'm not wrong. No, you're, he's not wrong. He's not. He's not wrong. Not totally right. Though. It's yeah. not politically correct. It's we not, could. You can't say that. We days. could get. You can't say. Can't say, say crazy. They're like, oh, you misunderstood. <laughs> Anyways, you're misunderstood. Go on, go on, go on, go on. So my uncle had so okay. So Baker Act is when you're you have an involuntary hospitalization. Um, So you can be like you said for up to seventy two hours. You can be basically held against your will, Um, and then sometimes that that even gets elongated. Um, It it's prolonged because they get the courts involved. That's a different story. But basically, a Baker Act is an involuntary hospitalization um, in order to treat you because you're either a threat to yourself or a threat to others. Uh, so I knew what that was because my uncle Leo suffered from schizophrenia. Mm. This is my, let me, let me tell you about who my uncle is. And I used to get emotional about this because this is, it's like my person in life. Sure. Like I have my dad as my father figure. My dad, shout out to 130th street tire center. That's my dad's tire shop. He's been out there. <laughs> okay. My dad has always been my father figure. Mm-hmm. My dad is a hard worker. He's always been, um, he's been the worker. But he was never involved in my life okay. as a man, right? As a man, he was a provider. That's all. My dad is a giver. He gives and he, he lives by his actions and not necessarily by his words or by spending time or throwing a ball in a yard. My uncle Leo was that. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who showed me about 
sports, athletics, education, um, things of that nature. Well, I saw my uncle go from that guy to looking at me when I'm a kid and being like, hey, you smoking crack, boy? And it's like there's this instability in his character where my uncle Leo is okay and then my uncle Leo is not okay. It's literally Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I don't know if you guys are too young for that, but no, no. you don't know who Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is. He's German. He's German. Yeah. So I don't think they showed that over there. <laughs> I don't think they showed that over there. So growing up, I saw this cycle that continued throughout his life, which was stability. He's working. He's my Uncle Leo. He's a loving guy. Then he's unstable. And according to my grandmother, Leo está enfermo. Because this is a stigma that's associated with severe mental illness, which is we don't talk about it. Don't talk to the neighbors about it. Don't talk to your friends about it. Don't talk to your teachers about it. Leo is sick. He'll get better. Just wait. We wait. Leo isolates himself in a room until his behavior becomes erratic. He doesn't bathe. He's not eating. He wanders walking from Hialeah to Fort Lauderdale. You know, when you see something, you see people who are on the street sometimes. These are people who could have had a family and they just wandered and left or maybe they didn't have much of a support system so that that's my uncle leo in a nutshell i saw him go again from stability instability baker act hospitalization discharge repeat the cycle and why are we repeating the cycle <clears throat> and please interrupt me and tell me to shut up i will talk no, all day no, no. yeah <laughs> um why do we repeat the cycle is because there is no follow-up I worked in the psych ward for a couple of years, and what I recognized was the fact that there is no follow-up after hospitalization. There's nobody looking after you and saying, hey, I know you've gone home, but are you okay? Are you going to your follow-up appointment? Are you seeing a therapist? There's none of that. Do you, any of you guys have a dog? You got two. two you got two dogs? Yeah. Have you, what, what, do you go to a vet? Uh-huh. So I take my dog to Banfield, right? Okay. Take my dog to Banfield. I have a golden retriever. Beautiful dog, Bruno. My, my, my homeboy. Take Bruno. He has a freaking ear infection because these freaking, these golden retrievers get ear infections all the time. But I take him. The vet sees him. They treat him. Bruno's getting better. Two or three days later, phone rings. I think it's a spam call. Who's calling? Banfield is calling to say, hey, how's Bruno doing? That's true. Cool. How's cool. Bruno doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How cool. Yeah. But we don't provide the same service for a human being. That's so true. Wow. Damn. That is very true. <laughs> You'll never get a call back from a, doc a doctor's office. Like, how you it's feeling? How you holding up? What's everything? Like, that's crazy. But why do you think that is, though? Do you think that they just don't want to put the effort to do the follow-ups? Or do you think that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they have more time. No, or the time thing. Because that, that, their motherfuckers are busy. But you can also you can also assign someone to do these follow-up calls. Gotta pay more. You gotta pay up. Create another job. But they make enough Not money. Not really. You just have to add it to the job description. No. There's two things that might. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, speak to the expert. I know. I, I mean, I'm just thinking there's two things that might be happening. One is there's too much volume and they don't have time. There's, yeah. there's too much patient care going on. And the other thing might be um, it's not a billable encounter. Mm, yeah. There's no revenue to draw from that follow-up. In the United States, everything is about the intervention that treats the illness and never the prevention of the next thing that's going to happen. So you get 
paid the the physician gets paid very little for for something like if you come and see me right, in, in a mental health office let's say you're stable but you don't really have an issue that's going on but you feel like there's something that, that damn i just really want to get some things off my chest and organize my thoughts and, and try to ha- have somebody help me figure out my life if you're paying out of pocket that's fine you could do it but if you're coming to me i need to put a diagnosis and a treatment plan in order to bill insurance the insurance yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. so sometimes we'll use something like adjustment disorder which is just a very vague term saying that this person's going through something uh, <laughs> just and just to build so it, charge them yeah, yeah, yeah to yeah. charge because we, we I, because we're running a business right and i have i have providers who are seeing patients mm-hmm. um and so i and i have to pay them hourly so we have to come i mean we have to be creative Look, at the end of the day, you guys are paying for insurance. Yeah. So yeah. I have to find a way to bill your insurance so that I can still provide patient care for all those other people that are coming that might have some bigger issues. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate that you that we use, especially certainly in this country, mental health or health in general is, is, is a financial business for people where they can make a profit off of it versus like, yeah, like that's just you as a human, you need to be taken care of put the money aside but instead it's like how much money can we squeeze out of in, in that case insurance companies right mm-hmm. so we'll only do exactly what we can do in order to squeeze every little bit of dollar out of the insurance no I, I don't want to put it that way because that's painting a picture like i mean i'm not seeing every patient like a dollar sign no, um, i'm not saying you in particular yeah, yeah. but in the general aspect what you were saying like it's not a billable hour yeah you know, that's what i'm saying yeah. so if it's not billable then i'm not going to do it Meaning that if that I'm only going to do what I can as long as it means that I'm going to get money out of the insurance. I'm That's just the reason. That you were saying it's a business. Reason. It's it, a business. It might be the reason why. It might be. So there's certain things that you could do as a. Damn. Yeah. It's a business. Yeah. You know. You know. You can apply it to anything. But when you talk about healthcare and you 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 know you humans, it, it it's a little bit different than clothing or a, a tire shop or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know because. Oh, at the end but of the why? Day, so okay. So I'll be the devil's advocate. I'll flip it on you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So why why would you? So what's the difference? Either way, it's still it is a business. We want to provide a quality service. The product that we put out has, is an intervention. You don't if you go to the tire shop and you just want them to check your tires and there's nothing wrong with your tires, that's not a billable encounter either. So if everybody was just going to the tire shop to check their tires and nobody had any issues on their tires, that business goes out of business and now they can't provide care for all these people that come in that need new tires. So a quick break to talk about our sponsorships. AG1, we just got a, a partnership with them, and it's been amazing. Uh, how has it been going for you? Man, AG1 is awesome. I've been taking it for a little bit over a month now. We both have. And first thing in the morning, it's super quick to take. It's it's a kind of all-in-one package. Uh, you, it's a powder form. It makes it water nice and cold, good, good tasting, and uh, it gives you everything you need. helps you with energy. helps you with with your gut, health, and immune system. I mean, overall, it's a great product. Yeah, my favorite thing is I take it in the morning as soon as I wake up. That way, on my way to the gym, um, I'm already getting the the fuel that I need. And one yeah. thing that I really like about it is that it doesn't upset my stomach as it would if I'm taking a whole laundry list of vitamins. Yeah. So it really starts my day with literally everything that I need to, to get right. And what I like about it is that as soon as I take it in the morning, it's almost like a mental check for me to say, you know what, I'm doing something for me. Because I know that, I mean, if you think about it, you wake up in the morning, you go, you just go straight to work, you don't really eat anything. So it's like, you don't have anything in your system. 
at least with this, you know that the first thing that you do every single day is that you're taking care of yourself. It's a full replacement of all these other vitamins and minerals and everything that you could be buying individually that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. So for literally one price, you're literally getting a full array of nutrition in a pack, in a scoop, whatever you want to do. And fortunately for us, we do have the sponsorship that with AG1, it not only are you getting like the whole the whole subscription yeah. of it, but we're also including five travel packs as well as a year supply worth of the vitamin D. For sure. So and that's the, pretty awesome. Yeah, the vitamin D or the drops. So you can just take one or two or three or four drops depending how much uh, you want to take. And you just, in the morning too, super quick. And what I love about the fact is there's not a bunch of pills that you have to take, which is what you were exactly. saying earlier. It's just like one scoop, a couple of drops, and that's it. Ready to go. Yeah, and, and I've also noticed that just throughout the day, I just... I. I don't know if it's a, like in my head that I'm taking it or, or if it's the fact that it's actually working, but I want to believe that it is because I feel amazing when I'm doing it. I feel more efficient. I feel like my stomach is also responding better to things when I eat. Mm, yeah. um, my energy levels are also better. And again, it just, it really sets the tone for the rest of the day when I take this. So fortunately for us with this partnership, um, if you want to take ownership of your health, you know, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Um, in order to do so, go to drinkag1.com slash the coffee breakup. Again, that's drinkag1.com slash the coffee breakup. Check it out. Right, I understand that. But with a tire shop, if you go either they either they they find an excuse to to bill you, oh your tires are worn out, you need to change your tires, et cetera, et cetera. And then again, at the end of the day, there's plenty of business for tire shops out there. And if you don't like one tire shop, you can go to another one, right? So I mean I understand what you're saying, but at the end of the day, uh, when it comes to health and, and health insurance, some people might argue that it, that transcends financial reward, you know? Doesn't everything? This is a capitalistic society we live in. But yeah, but again, it's, it's just, again, like in this country, it's certainly, it's all about how much money can I make? And so I feel like in, in some places, a lot of places, especially like in Europe and some other can, countries, it's like, even though it, maybe it, it, we don't make money off of it, but let's say if we break even, we still provide the service because it's your health that is that, that we're talking about. But then people, who, but people who work in healthcare are also paid significantly less. So you have a whole industry that is paid less because they're serving people, but then their quality of life is decreased. So who's right, right? But in, in this, our health professionals in this country pay an exorbitant amount of money because you can make the argument that a small percentage of them are paid very well. But then there's a lot of people who are... It depends on their skill set. They aren't. But I'd say even a lot of people, nurses, some make a lot of money, but do the most, most of them make really good money? A lot of people don't make or as much money as they should because there's a lot of money goes to uh, you know admins and health you know the hospitals and stuff like that. A lot of the money goes through you know doesn't really go to the individual themselves or the people themselves. So I mean, what do you think the solution should be? That's a good question. I'm a solution focused guy. I thought I was waiting for yeah problem. What's the solution? Yeah, um, or what do you at least think it is? Are you are you for universal health care? Is that where we're going with this? I <laughs> remember he's European. He's European. Yeah, so he has a different. Uh, I um, it, it's tough because I grew up in a country where healthcare wasn't like some business commodity that only the people who can afford it get it, and the ones who don't are just screwed over. So my, where I'm from, it's like everybody has health insurance, and you pay into it into a into a healthcare system. Everybody pays their fair share of taxes, and you get really good service, right? And so it's not like a matter of can I afford it. It's a matter of I'm sick. I'll go see a doctor and. 
they'll provide the best service they can. Not because they're going to charge you as much as they can, but because you're sick. What's the societal sacrifice for, for that service? And society and like some you have to give something to get something yeah you pay taxes how much more taxes in in germany well i'm from germany so in germany it is you have a you pay a considerable amount of money um i'm not sure the exact tax rate it depends how much your money is but you're looking certainly more than what you're making here instead of average person but as at least you you, re, you actually see the benefits and we had somebody on uh nima he lives in germany and 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 you know, guy, he's American, but he lives in Germany. And so it, one of the things that he was saying is like, you, you, you do see the benefits that of you paying into a system where, because the most frustrating thing is you're paying in taxes and you don't really see any of it. Which I think that that's like the, the biggest argument now. Here, because you know, like, I'm paying taxes, but I'm not getting anything out of it. We'll see how much money is leaving, you know, from the taxes that, that, that we're being charged. And it's almost like, where is my money even going to? As opposed to, I think your argument is, sure, I'm getting taxed a lot, but at least I know I'm getting something out of it. Exactly. Like right. if shit hits a fan, it's yeah, that's what I'm saying. And that's, that's really what, well, cause if I don't, I think most people would be okay with paying their fair share in taxes. If they know that, okay, I can, I can get something out of this. I can tell you in the surrounding area right here, we're in, <laughs> <laughs> this is different. If you start talking about universal healthcare, that the government is going to provide it. I, I'm curious to hear the opinions of the people right here in this area. Because I, they have, if they lived, were born and raised in Cuba, their mentality is going to be like, I'm going to pay so I can get. Right, but 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 now you're on the other extreme where it's like you, they're coming from a country as Cuba, a dictator, where you have extreme. There's no capitalistic. This isn't an extreme. This is the life that they live. That for them in Cuba, but yeah. if compare Cuba to a country like Germany or Sweden or Finland, and it's like, you're the way you're set up doesn't mean that universal healthcare system means the, what, what, what happens in, in Cuba. So you, you are looking at the extreme. For them, it's every day. But on the scale of Cuba, Germany, like it's, there's, there's something in between. Yeah, and, and let, let me just say this because I, I've worked also in Doral. So I've also encountered with a lot of Venezuelans who they also give me some, something similar. Whenever we talk about you know, universal healthcare or like when we talk about you know, something, like, something like that, it's almost like, oh, well, you guys don't know. That's communism. Yeah, because where I'm from, we bought into that, and then we got fucked. However, it seems like it's it's not always a bad thing because we have someone on the other side of the world who's I guess you guys got to figure it out as opposed to these countries that they're just kind of. Yeah, I, I feel like if you if you're looking at uh, on a scale set, it's like it doesn't mean that you have to swing all the way out yet where there's no private businesses. Because in Germany and in a lot of European countries, you do have a capitalistic society, but you also have a lot of strong social programs and and uh, an economy that's more of a blend rather than just okay communism or capitalistic. So, so there is a there is a middle. Yeah, I'm all for for strong social programs that help people socio lower socio uh, um, socio like status low s low ses right. <laughs> I'm all about it. Um, the problem is I've worked in the nonprofit sector here in. I, I worked at Camilla's house, right? And I, I know a lot of a lot of the local organizations where they get the money from is from the homeless trust. The homeless trust gets money uh, from the U.S. government and they basically like disperse it to these different organizations. Okay. What I learned working in the nonprofit sector was that there's no oversight. So once that grant money goes out, there's nobody coming in to say, hey, what are the outcomes of, of what you guys are using this money for? Mm -hmm. The money's just out there. Right, right. The, the, obviously, there's always room for corruption especially when you have these organizations 
the Red Cross or you go to a supermarket and they ask you, oh, would you like to donate? And it's like, where I don't know where this money's going to. So, and then if you do a little bit more research, a lot of the aid, those corporations that you're donating to, um, they use that money as a, as a, as a, as a tax credit or, you know, you don't know where that money is going to. So I understand the skepticism. There's no easy solution to it. There's no easy solution. All I'm saying is that, uh, you know, you, you got to ask difficult questions, which is, I guess, what we're doing here. Fun fact. Did you know, well, I heard this off another podcast. Did you know that, you know, when they ask you at like Target or like all these other stores to like for a donation of like $5 for whatever the fuck the causes that they're doing, whether it's, you know, homelessness, kids, whatever it is. Did you know that when they're asking you for a donation, they've already paid the foundation? Did you know that? I've heard, I've heard the same thing. So they're literally asking you just basically to repay the donation that they've already made. So you're not, I guess in a way you kind of are making the donation, but in the sense they've already done it for you. So they've already done the donation. So they're already getting the tax write-off. Now they're just asking you to pay them back. But why does this make sense? Because it doesn't help their tax write-off. Huh? It doesn't help their tax write-off if they're getting it. I'm thinking, it shouldn't it? Because if they are, do if they've already made the payment for the donation, and then now we're asking you to donate towards us, is does, does it wash? But also, what I would, yeah, I guess. But also, my, my problem. Or does that also now a donation towards the company? Because we're not charging you. But like, my problem is, why are you asking me to donate? You're a company that makes yeah. billions of dollars in profit, and you want me to donate? You donate and don't ask me to donate. Like, you, you have enough money to donate. Why, why, do I, why do we poor schmucks have to donate? It sounds like, yeah, so it's like, I, I'm making the large, now I'm just trying to make it up. So I don't feel the, I, I don't feel kind of like the damage, the financial right. burden. So let's say you donate a million dollars and you ask everybody else to donate for that cause. Let's say you get half a million dollars. So then you only lost, what, half a million? Because you got half a million. You crowdfunded. Right, yeah. So, so now my company donated a million bucks. Did it? Only half because you could just got a half a million. From the from the from the common people, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, to be honest with you, man, every time I see like now, my I feel like my mind has changed completely when it comes to, or oh, would you like to donate? Would you like to tip? And I'm only doing like a fucking coffee. Like no, I don't. <laughs> like every time I see that thing, the the the, the, the what is it, the tablet? Or do you like to donate? Do you want to do this? Do you want to tip? Or no, they just be like, oh, make a selection on the screen. And it says 20, 25%, 30. You're like, yo! L let me reel you guys in real quick. Why? <laughs> with with therapy, right? With therapy. Let's say you guys want to see it. Do you, any of you guys see a therapist? I do. I do. Do you use your insurance to see that? I do. I actually have good insurance. Awesome. What insurance do you have? You don't mind me asking. Um, I don't like. Avmed, Aetna, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. I have Ambetter. You have Ambetter. Are you familiar with it? Yes. They're good, right? It's terrible for the provider. <laughs> uh, I don't go fuck. So, no, 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 exactly. So what I'm what I'm telling you is the problem. Like I'm not even sure where you're where you are seeing a therapist, right? But I could tell you that the the reimbursement rate of Ambetter for that provider for that hour of therapy. Do you have a copay? I do not. You don't. You pay zero. I pay zero. Yeah, it's you are getting an amazing deal. So I think I saw the receipt. They bill my. Insurance, what is it, hundred bucks an hour, one twenty, something like that. They, that's their, that's the billable encounter. What they actually receive, like a seventy bucks or something like that, fifty-five or seventy bucks. Do you know how long your therapist went to school? 
<laughs> you're supposed to guilt trip me into no, 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 no. I'll give you a tip. You want me to no <laughs> a tip? Would you no, 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 no. What I'm, I guess, what I'm getting at is just to show you because because you said something that some people might get offended by, which is like that that the providers are just doing it for money or we're just trying to make money. And the truth is, let's say the therapists that I that work for me on each of their encounters, I can make in my business maybe ten to maybe thirty dollars an hour on with a Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Based on what I pay them per hour, um, it's actually a service that I don't generate much revenue on, but I provide it because I know that holistic care is the way to go. Medication alone is not going to solve the problems. The combination, the gold standard is a combination of therapy and medication when medication is warranted. Therapy is always the first step. It's always the first step. You want to you wanna address the issues. You want to see what the person's life is like. What are the stressors that they're dealing with? Um, you just want to get a good picture of what's going on. And then how severe are the symptoms? What is affecting them? And how is it affecting their day-to-day life? I just had a phone call. I'm sitting there. I got an, You know how you could call on Instagram? I had somebody just call me on Instagram right now and just told me. Um, that was the clip. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, it... He just called me. I'm sitting down and he called me on Instagram and he starts ranting. And I'm like, hey, are you going to see a therapist soon? He's like, yeah, I got an appointment tomorrow. <laughs> I said, well, that's, that's good that you have an appointment tomorrow, but let's, uh, let's do this. I'm not, because he's trying to tell me his whole story right now. I'm sitting down having un churraco and tostones, enjoying myself, and he's, which is fine. I get those calls a lot. Um, and I said, hey, let's, let's slow down. Do me a favor. Write down because you've just told me five different segments of problems that are going on. Why don't you sit down and write down those problems? Get them out of your head, get them onto a piece of paper, get your thoughts organized. So when you sit across from the therapist, you have your thoughts in line and you kind of know what what are the problems you need to address. Because what happens to people often is that they let these thoughts ruminate in their mind. It feels like a thousand things that are spinning. You're losing sleep. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling stressed. But if you just get out of get it out of your head, you get it onto a piece of paper. You organize it. Now you can start to tackle them one by one by one. Otherwise, they're spinning in your head, and there's no direction. There's there's, there's no there's no plan of action to take because you're you're trying to tackle five problems at once. Yeah, you're like balancing. So instead of you actually putting the effort to target one at a time. Because it happens to me all the time. Of course. That I'll, and it won't be anything drastic. It's maybe just like three things that I'm balancing. And two of them are just things I have to remember to do in a couple of hours. Whether it's on walk the dog or feed this guy. What a stupid shit. Yeah. But they're all being bounced around. So all my energy is on memorizing the things that I'm bouncing around to make sure I don't forget. So the whole day I'll be fucking stressed. Like stressed. Because I'm going to go, man, what do I do? Like I have this bouncing around. It's not even that big of a deal. But I'll, man, I have to make sure I don't forget. I'll walk into another room and I'm like... Wait a minute, I know I have to do this, this, fuck, what was that third thing I had to do? And then the whole time I'm there freaking out. So I can only imagine for people who actually have serious problems all at the same time, jumping around in their head, like, where do you begin? So you said, like, therapy. Get it out, get it out of your head, write something down, and then seek someone to actually help you get through those things one at a time. But if you have everything jumbled up, where do you even start? Yeah. You know? A little crazy. It could be overwhelming sometimes, when you, especially if you have like too many fires. Fucking. That's what I'm saying because then all your your whole entire energy is now being wasted on just making sure you don't forget all these problems because you have to address them, but then you never really address them because all your energy was spent on just not forgetting. 
Adrian, so let me ask you a, a couple of questions because uh, we jumped straight into this, started talking about a bunch of businesses, started talking about how Germany's uh, uh, healthcare system is better than ours. Um, so tell me a little bit about your business, okay? I was looking at your stuff and I saw that you do some partnerships also with the gym. Um, you're really big on when it comes to mental health, but also I guess the physicality of it, of how it married, you kind of create the marriage of mental to physical. For sure. We kind of went on this route this year as well. We started three years ago with um, relationships. We realized that every healthy relationship starts with yourself. Year two was on mental health. This year, we really figured out that, you know, if we can take care of our bodies, especially for us, we know we're active. We want to be um, uh, honorable men and, and it requires, you know, we want to take care of our bodies. And when we feel better, our mind feels better. And when our mind is better, we're better individuals, not only to ourselves, but then to others. So I, I've noticed that based on your page and everything that you do, especially with your business, you're really big on not only mental health, but also the body as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, of how you marry the two and how it's important to, to basically the mission that you're on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe, well, not, not only I do I believe, I believe that movement is medicine, but beyond that, the literature supports it. Um, we're living lives that are sedentary. People are isolating themselves, staying indoors, not being active. Um, and basically, we don't have very many social connections. So I think the gym brings a couple of things. Not only does it allow us to move our bodies, become physical, get our heart rates up, um, release dopamine, stimulate neurotransmitters that are healthy for us. Um, we also have to overcome challenges. We have to take accountability that we, when we say something, we're going to go ahead and do it and follow through. Um, so it's all these things. So I, I'm a firm believer that if we can use gyms, I, I, I love group fitness. I saw a clip of that. You spoke that. I love group fitness because group fitness not only increases the intensity uh, of the workout, um, but again, it leads to accountability and it leads to more social connections. It's huge. So we're, 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 we're solving, we're solving, we're, we're killing like three to five birds with one stone just by using group fitness as a, as a, as a tool. Um, and so we've seen time and time again that when people are physically active. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Like, what is, what is the core? What is the foundation for helping somebody who's mentally not in a good place? You're very depressed. You're very anxious. What do we need to look at as a foundation? Is movement, sunlight, good nutrition, community support, and sleep. Once we address those five, we're solving so, so many problems. But people tend to get fixated on this magic pill and this thing. And when we start looking at the basics, at the foundation for what humans need to function day to day, their nutrition is shit. They're sleeping horribly because they're staring into a blue light. Their sleep patterns are erratic. They sleep in on the weekends and then they wake up at five in the morning with like three to four hours of sleep during the week because they want to do more um they're not exercising and then beyond that they're stuck staring at these screens where they feel like they're socially connected on the social network right. but they're not everybody's on an island mount on top of that post-covid 
how many people are working from home. There's there's a, every office right now. Office space is available in plenty of places for a very cheap rate, because companies said we don't need the overhead. People can work from home. It's a beautiful thing. And initially, a lot of people were like, "This is great. This is awesome. I get to stay home." But then you realize your home becomes a prison, and you're just isolated in your house all day. There's no water cooler talk. There's nobody that you're going out to lunch with. You're isolated. Maybe you have a Zoom meeting. There's there's a lack of social connections that, that's going on. That's that's a tremendous factor in depression, anxiety, feeling isolated, loneliness. Yeah, I guess if you do, yeah, yeah. I guess if you're in a situation, you gotta because most people love working from home. You know, it saves the money, time, etc. And and sitting in an office all day, it sounds like that sounds like prison to me. But but I do understand that having that interaction with other people, especially if you're a little bit older, because the older you get, the harder it is to make friends. I mean, we're fortunate to have a really good friend group and have people to talk to and stuff like that. But I can understand that some people, the only people that they interact with is their colleagues at work. So if you remove that, that environment, I can see how people get could get very depressed very quickly. So, And if you're in a position, you, you have to put extra effort into talking to people, meeting people, maybe at the gym, maybe go out to the park, you know, maybe chat up some people at the supermarket. But that's all very difficult some people so i can understand i i see your point that you're trying to make especially when people are now comfortable being so isolated that it almost feels taboo to go to a supermarket and then ask anyone or try to stir up a conversation anywhere i feel like if you try to approach anybody they almost look at you like why are you talking to me you know like that's where society has taken this and it's it's funny that you bring that up because i didn't it didn't really click in my head how how much of of an impact negative impact all this work from home stuff and also like when kids were going to school and they had to you know just do all their schooling from home like obviously they're or they'll do like their virtual stuff you know you don't you no longer have those interactions with other kids or other people and man it, it's it just think of all the years especially after covid how people were kind of pushed into working from home and now they're still working from home now their new norm is complete isolation yeah and to now think of man how do you even reverse that you know when now that's become your norm that's kind of scary because now those people, like that's their life now. Maybe they were the most social people, the most interactive people, but now because you've been boxed in for the for whatever the last couple of years, like is there even a way to bounce back after you've had that for so long? What do you do then? I think it just takes effort on the individual to recognize that you need to break out of the maze of your life. But that's the. But that's I think I think the problem is that they have been convinced that. That isn't necessary because they have the luxuries of working from their own home, of not having to leave anymore. So in their head, they're like, man, this is awesome. But they're not real. Cause, but then all their interaction is like this. Then they're doing this based on what you said, like literally. But like, it's just scary because I almost feel like we talk about going to work and that being a prison sentence, right? But that's truly like one's own prison within their own lives. Like they have nothing. You can Instacart. Like you said, go to Publix to make friends. And you don't. Yeah, I, I thought that too. I thought that too. You don't have to go to Publix. You don't have to go. You don't have to go in. Like you don't have to leave your house. They have created so like so much convenience in everyone's lives that you literally don't need. Do you? Let me ask you guys, because now I'm getting into my conspiracy theories right now. You think that this is maybe some like big plan that's been going on for a lot of you know maybe a lot of years for them to like kind of isolate everyone for us to so like you know? You got his leg shaking and everything. I, I, 
I don't. I don't know because I'm a conspiracy. I think of like random shit. Cause I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, he watches the news and believes what's there. You know, I don't. So I start, you know, thinking differently. I'm very skeptical about some certain shit. So I don't know, man. I'm just thinking like they've just made it so easy for us to be so isolated. I think that humans always seek the path of least resistance and lazy. And convenient, like people don't want to do shit. Yeah, that's exactly. think of like, what he was saying. Like people are so sedentary; they're so overweight now. Especially you, like you're not obviously, <laughs> but you come from Europe where you come here. You know how we have these conversations of people who are overweight, and it's kind of fucked up sometimes. But at the end of the day, it's like yeah, you're kind of in control most of the time of that. So it's like we've we've created so much convenience and ease for people to do absolutely nothing. It kind of reminds me of the movie Wally all day. Have you seen the movie Wally? It's a Disney movie, dude. You and your girl gotta watch it. There's very minimal talking. Just watch the last scene when they're in the little bubbles riding around drinking soda and they're all huge. Yeah, so in a nutshell, it's about the future, how the world has gone to shit. They've literally taken people out into outer space to live into like this like ship. And they've just made it so easy for them. They're literally like in this like like remote hover cart thing individually. And they all have like a screens around them and they don't even interact with one another just basically on these things going around. They don't move. They don't talk. They don't walk around. And then at the end, I guess, like, something happens where, like, they all wake up because the system stopped working. And they're all like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? And then they're all just obese, overweight, because they've never had to do anything. I feel like that's kind of the direction that this is going in. Yeah. You don't think so? No, no, I, I 100%. We were even you guys were saying, like, Instacart and, and all the... And it brings me up to a conversation that we had where we were talking about, like... The delivery fees and all that stuff like that. When we're talking about Instacart, oh. yeah, 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 and then DoorDash, DoorDash, and all that stuff like that, where people are like, "Oh, I don't want to tip, etc." Well, what I'm talking about is like, you don't have to use Instacart. Like, it's it's a, it's a convenience. It's a it's a service that is it's a luxury service because if you don't want to pay the service fee or the tip or whatever, and get your fat ass and go to Publix, get up and go to Publix. But people want, like you guys were saying, people want to be lazy. People want to do the least amount because we're in a world where. I don't even got to go to a doctor's office. I could do a virtual uh, call with my doctor. They can prescribe me something. I don't have to leave my house for most of the... Okay. okay. For, for for so many things, groceries, uh, delivery, takeout, all that kind of stuff. It's like we've been so... We've been programmed to be to be doing the... Online shopping. I ain't even got to go to the store anymore. Black Friday's coming up. You don't got to go anywhere. Cyber Monday, dude. Black Friday's online now. Yeah. Not even Cyber Monday. Before it was only online. Black Friday was in the store. You go to a mall, it's just empty. Yeah, yeah. Back then, it was like an activity, like an extreme sport. I would go to hang out with my friends. Extreme sport? Yeah, because you go to Black Friday, and it's like people competing for the best deals. You have to go with like a helmet on. <laughs> shoulder pads. <laughs> All this convenience feels great. All this convenience with shoulder pads. All this convenience feels great, right? It feels good to be able to look right now. If I can go on Amazon and say, damn, I need a pre-workout. Oh, it'll be in my house by tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah. Overnight. So it's it's great because it's convenient. But then it also it also isolates you because you don't have to go to GNC and have the conversation with a guy in the store and ask him questions. You don't have to go to Amazon and ask them about whatever products. Or you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go to Publix. Like, you can just order. I can just click and say, the same list. Order again. Click. Yeah. So then what do you think we can do in order to help people realize this before it's too late? I think it's just education. That's why I'm screaming from the rooftop. Well, that's why so are we. because, And that's why we practice it. Because So I just turned 31 last week on Saturday, right? And um, Does that hurt? 30 was fine. 31 just doesn't sound... I just turned 40. Yeah, but 40 is nice, though. Really? Yeah, like if we think of girl math, that's good. 
Yeah. 40 is good. You just hit another milestone. 31 is like, ugh, you know? I did it. But anyways, um, I digress. So then we, you know, it's funny because we work out in a CrossFit style environment and um, and we've been looking at your stuff about what you're doing with Legendary. Um, That's what it's called, right? Yeah, there's Legendary. I mean, I, I bounce around from gym to gym. I want to actually get Andre involved with this. But Legendary is one that I'm going to now. The one in Winwood, right? No, it's Doral. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's Doral. And then by the time I'm airport, they've built a really cool community. These these guys are homegrown fire rescue. Um, they uh, that's what I like. I like it's a Miami vibe. It's homegrown. I'm very much all about local business. So yeah, so yeah, so so we train in an environment that's very similar. It's a group setting, a group environment. In fact, a lot of my friends, the people who I hang out with, are those from the gym. Now that I think about it, I mean, I also have my friends. You know, my other friends are they're our friends, but then we also have the guys from the gym that we hang out with every now and then and stuff like that. And it's crazy how much like of a community kind of environment that you create, and it almost makes you want to interact with these individuals, but. It happened because we're active individuals. So we want to go out and, and work out. We want to exercise. We know the importance of it. I don't think people have un, have understood that yet. I'm seeing now that there's more of a trend of eating like whole foods. I'm not people understanding nutrition and how we've been poisoned for I don't know how many years with the cereals and all the processed garbage that they've been feeding us. So now we're understanding it. And I can speak firsthand. I did the carnivore diet on, on, on January this year or animal based where I eliminated all processed shit. And I'm telling you, you can ask him. I looked ridiculous, but I also felt so clear and so clean. Like my energy levels were, were great. My mind was thinking differently. I just felt so amazing about life when I was eating like that. It's so crazy how nutrition and what you put in your body like changes everything. We see that. We understand that. But how can we convince the regular person or maybe the person who likes the convenience or those who've been working from home and don't want to leave how do we teach them and show them like, hey, if you stay down this path, you're down a path of destruction versus how important community is. This is what kind of life is all about. What can we do? I think the younger generation is seeing it a little bit more. Actually, I think social media has helped bring a lot more attention and exposure. Ironically. To physical activity. Exactly. Ironically. To physical activity, to, to living, uh, just to being active. Um, I think more people are getting exposed to it because, you know, once you start clicking on it, you start getting a lot more reels thrown at you. So, so I feel that social media is doing a good job promoting it. Um, but I think it only promotes it to the people who want to be promoted too. So you're probably seeing it because that's your lifestyle. You're seeing it because that's your lifestyle. I'm seeing it because that's my lifestyle. But to those people who do nothing and stay at home all day. Yeah, no. Not in out of the look at all the I'm sorry, look at all the other rules of these people. Remember of, of uh, or those that are like, oh, I shouldn't have to what is it? Pay for an extra seat because I'm overweight on an airplane or whatever. Like they're looking for handouts. So think of what the algorithm is showing those people. Where they're thinking, oh, this is what life is. Or I I don't need to lose weight. Yeah. I'm good the way that I am. That's probably what they're read that that's what they're getting. Or how do we get to those people? Or accept accept your body the way it is. Fuck that. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, hey, I'm sorry. I'm going to fire it up right now. But like, those are the people that I'm like, like I, I, I just wish, I wish you could just see the other side instead of just being comfortable and complacent on yours. Yeah, I think the, I think the only way is like they have to want it. Like you have to break out of that algorithm that you're part of it and go into TikTok search or Instagram search and, and put workout videos or workout inspiration you have to be in that mindset where you like okay i want to get out of that 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 prison that mental prison again that's that's why i'm doing what i'm doing that's why i'm 
Um, because my audience is typically not the audience who's like go-getters and wants to go work out and do a hit workout. So what are you doing? Yeah, what are your kind of clients and how do you get them? So no, typically the people who are, well, let's start with 75% of the people who seek mental health care are females. Really? 75% of my clientele are females. My, um, why? Because there's a stigma. Men, men have a stigma. Men are, we are strong. We can get through it. We don't have to talk to anybody. In South Florida, we have a Hispanic culture that is very much into machismo. Um, there's, it's ego-driven, and they don't necessarily believe in seeking help or talking about their problems to some stranger who just wants to steal my money. right? <laughs> this fucking guy. So, But that, that's the belief system amongst men. It's cool that you're going to therapy, and it's cool that you're talking about it here course yeah and the same way that you're talking about therapy is the same way you got, you got to talk about the link between physical fi fitness and mental health oh, oh yeah why if you're if you're physically active what's what's happening you're sleeping better you're less anxious you're interacting with other people um i mean unless you just go to the gym and you put your headphones on and you, keep, you look down at the floor but at least you're going out you're exposing yourself to these environments people get anxious walking into a gym there's so much going on in an active gym at 6 37 in the morning think about that if you're anxious and you're concerned about there's something called agoraphobia where people are afraid to go out in public settings and how how do you treat somebody like that little by little you expose them to those scenarios yeah like the i've had patients and this was a while ago but there used to be a Publix in the clinic i used to work in and sometimes when we had somebody with agoraphobia we would literally just say we're just going to go outside the Publix. we're going to stand close and people are freaking out. Yeah. And little by little, you, you continuously expose them to those scenarios. And it's exposure response prevention. They do it a lot with patients who are suffering um, with OCD. Um, but you could also do it to, to expose people who have these phobias of different environments, different things, different places. They do it with people who are getting into airplanes, people who are afraid to get into elevators, mm. people who are afraid of certain animals. Um, if you're afraid of public speaking, you guys are extremely comfortable in front of a mic. Now, what happens if your business or your job requires you to get in front of an audience? How do you prepare yourself for that? I can tell you this. When I started off as a professor at UM, I had to stand in front of 150 students. That's intimidating. But then all of a sudden, as a semester, and my heart is beating through, through my chest, um, I'm, I'm finding like I'm a little bit short of breath. Do not wear a light blue or gray shirt because the rings of arm of sweat around your armpits are terrible. So I started wearing black and, and dark blue. That's it. How do you treat that? Well, there's something called Toastmasters. Have you guys ever heard of Toastmasters? Never. So ta if you Google Toastmasters, it's everywhere. It's global. There's one in Miami. There's one in Homestead. There's one in Kendall. There's one in Miami Lakes. So Toastmasters is a place where you go where people are just trying to prepare themselves for public speaking and everybody is anxious about it, but everybody's going there to put in reps. So how are you doing? It's a gym for public speaking. Never heard of that. Toastmasters. Toastmasters. Google it. Google it real quick for me, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put Toastmasters Hialeah. I don't know if there's one. I, that, it would be awesome if there's one Hialeah. Blue in Spanish. <laughs> it could be. But so this helps somebody who's who's in Miami Dade Toastmasters Club. I don't say hi, Aaliyah, but uh, there you go, close enough. Coral Gables, Brickell, um, Pine. There's one in there's something in Pines, Cutler Bay, Grove. You guys could start the hi, Aaliyah Toastmasters. <laughs> how cool! No, but I could see how that that could be something for 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 a lot of people who are afraid, and it's like the only way to go through it is. 
to go through it. Well, not only it's not only for people who are afraid. It, it does. It's very effective for somebody who's anxious in, in a public setting like that in that way. But it can be helpful for somebody who just wants to become a little bit more expert or well versed or um, kind of tweak a speech. Right. Sure. 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 Right. Because if you're constantly public speaking, I spoke at Belen yesterday and I uh, to a group of fourteen year olds. And as soon as I left, in my head, I was like, "Oh wait, I could have better served." And engage that audience if I talked about this, this, and this. Because that audience is a little bit different. Yeah, 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 yeah. But wait, you learn that in Toastmasters? No, you learn it from putting in reps. Yeah. The, the same as every... The, the first... I, I would love to go back and listen to your first five podcasts. <laughs> what did they sound like? No, you don't want to hear them. You see? So how do you feel now? When you sit in this room now, you own it. Chilling. Ch- this is like your spot. Yeah. Spot. No, obviously we've done so many reps, but yeah, you you do get better, um, and it's just uh, you just gotta practice and keep going. Man, I like I like that. I just wish that, because like for example, I think of like how we can motivate people to like to work on their fitness, right, or like their health, because we talk about how important that is. But then we have episodes of us talking shit about fat people and like fat shaming and shit. It's kind of fucked up. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. But you don't have to necessarily fat shame because look, you could be you could be happy. No, you can be fat and overweight and be physically active and that still reduces your comorbidities tremendously, right? So as long as that quote unquote fat person or obese person is physically active, it might be really hard for them to taper down again, right? Cuz then now people are judging people for using semaglutide or using some of these peptides that help suppress hunger. Oh, you're cheating. It's like, no, they're 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 using tools that can help them get to where they want to be. It's a good thing. It's positive. But why now the trainer comes on and is like it's fucking poison. Don't take this. It's like no man. It's got let keep doing what you're doing. Your expertise is training people, which is great. Like trainers, I give them all the credit. They're they're working one by one with individuals day after day. It's a hard job if you really think about it. But it, you can't demonize these things that come out to help people. I'm on TRT right now. I'm 40. I just, I my, I plummeted. I, I was feeling like shit. I was down. I didn't want to take out the garbage. I looked at my girl. I said, I think I'm depressed. Like, I, I'm, I, I'm, I was like, you know what? I, let me get my blood work. Let me get my blood work done. See what's going on. My TRT came back. It was like 250. This has been probably one of the most stressful years I've had in my life because. Is this this year? Yeah, this year, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I've, it's. From a business perspective, I have a growing business. Um, I have a big payroll. Um, there's different interpersonal conflicts that arise. Uh, there's uh, there's always money, right? So there's all these different things that come up in life. And you, I, I feel responsible. I got, I got 20 families underneath that entity. It's my responsibility. I don't know about you guys, but I was not trained to be a CEO. <laughs> yeah, no, you. I don't think you're anyone gets trained to that. You just got to figure it out. You figure it out, right? So when you start running into these things, somebody suffers. And people see me, my employees. I always tell them, I'm like, you see me at the beach because I, I, I'm very much into self care. I don't get into the office till ten, eleven. But I've been up since five. I've been to the gym. I might go to the beach. I might go do yoga. I might be in the cold plunge. But my mind is still. My mind is going, or I'm having a conversation in the cold plunge, or I'm getting a call on Instagram from somebody who's depressed, or I'm answering an email. So they don't see that. And so as a result, my body took a toll. But can I tell you, just correcting my testosterone as a male, 
all of a sudden my body's responding. I'm like, oh shit, I'm getting my size back. I feel strong again. For a while, I was just I wasn't feeling good, and it all comes. And I was putting in the same work, the same effort, the same consistency. It was nothing more than a hormone that we need for to, you know, to to grow, for hypertrophy to happen, to feel good, to affect your mood, to have your sex drive up. But guys are ashamed to talk about it because, no, my balls work good. <laughs> I think there's it's changing though. I think now um, as a Rogan, maybe. Hey, fuck it. If that's what it takes, I mean, at least it's something to get the ball rolling. And a younger generation, I think they're just more aware. And there's so much more. And that's a good thing about social media. You know, it's a double-edged sword, but there's so much information out there. Like, you could just put up your phone and Google testosterone. You know what it is. You know your normal levels. 50 years ago, that wasn't the case. So it's like now it's like there's so much more awareness of it uh, and so much information out there. You just have to look for it and be willing enough to... to um, to make those sacrifices and make those changes, you know? So I think that's important. No, and I went off on that tangent because I was talking about peptides and using supplements as tools, right? So it's just a matter of looking at that individual and saying, how can we help this person? Fat or skinny, doesn't matter. If you're skinny, I want you to build muscle. Why? Muscle's going to help you down the road. You're going you're gonna to reach an age where you can't get out of your chair. Right. Right? Exactly. You're going to want to prevent falls. So these are all things that are important, whichever way you look at it. Okay. Question. How often do you encounter maybe a patient, call them, and um, maybe you think, okay, well, first, you know, you, you take the approach of therapy, because I think I was watching one of your things that you say, okay, well, we talk about therapy first. That's well, I think you said it today also. You focus on therapy first, talking first, and then if necessary, we then go to medication. Have you ever... Or maybe in your history of doing this or maybe in your career that you said, okay, well, maybe you, you thought that, that you had to prescribe something or you had to give some sort of medication. But then you realize, no, maybe it's maybe we don't need that. Maybe it's something more physical or maybe there's something in therapy. For sure. Like it happens all the time. But the problem is that so many people want to go to the pill. Well, c convenience. Convenience, ease, magic bullet, hocus pocus, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But people want that magic pill. Uh huh. They want the magic pill because they, they're coming to you and asking to re. Let's re. I haven't been on Prozac for five years, but I want to get back on it because when I took it five years ago, it made me feel better. Okay, let's talk about what's going on in your life. Um, I just lost my job. I went through a divorce a year ago. My grandmother had a stroke. Um, my dog died. Right, so it's like they have all these other things, but then they're asking for a Prozac. Right, it's like you need to. We need to start processing. You have compounding trauma that's affecting you, or you have one major life issue. You're going through a divorce, and hey, if you need something to help you sleep, that's that's good, that's fine. We can help you. We can address the symptoms, but if you don't, un if you don't begin to address the underlying issue, it's like treating an ulcer with a band aid. Yeah, we can cover it. We can protect it. But in order for that ulcer to heal, you know, you you guys ever seen how an ulcer needs to be healed? So an ulcer becomes necrotic. It's black, dead tissue. You have to take a tool and scrape that tissue until you get to raw flesh. Then it can begin to heal. That's called debridement. So you need to take the ulcer, scrape it. Then you can apply an ointment. You can protect it. And an ulcer heals from the bottom up. If you just cover it, you're not doing anything. 
You're not doing anything. You're protecting it, but it's not going to heal. It's going to stay as a divot. And it's the same thing with our mental health. We have to go to the source. We have to go to the core. Sometimes it's okay. Again, I want to stress. It is okay to address the symptoms with a medication. It's okay. Because sometimes they become overwhelming. They don't allow you to function, have social interactions. You're too irritable. You're too anxious. You have panic attacks. It's good. Take the medication. But let's start to address the underlying issue. Address the divorce. Address the shitty relationship. Address the unhappiness with your employer, with your job, with your occupation, with your life. Address those things. Now you can heal. Now you can move forward. Did you always have that... um? That approach, because I think when when I think of medicine, I think of pharma. I think of it as a huge corrupting, like corruption, you know, business that that all they think about is just you know their bottom line and how they can fuck more people. Maybe not anymore. Maybe to a certain degree, there's some medication that's not like that. I've seen a lot of uh, there was a show on Netflix called Painkiller. Yeah, there was also one on on Hulu, Hulu called uh, Dope Sick. I've seen both. You seen both of them? They're awesome. Have you seen them? I've seen Painkiller. Yeah. Okay. I highly recommend both of them. They're awesome. Yeah, they're basically the same thing. Basically, it's about the same thing. I guess just two different sides of the story. But, you know, you see things like that, right? And then I feel like when we when we hear people that they go to medical school and what, what they teach doctors, um, from my understanding, they don't really go into so much of like holistic healing or maybe kind of health, fitness, nutrition. They don't really teach that. They just think more of, okay, well, if they feel this, this is the medicine that was designed to cure that or to treat that. And I feel like that's the biggest issue. So where in your kind of path did you kind of say, okay, well, hold on. It's not just the medicine side. It can't, this can't all be it. There must be another side. How did that kind of come into play? I mean, I think I've always been physically active my whole life. And I think as I did undergrad, I, I, I did a, a ton of work just on obesity, pediatric obesity. And then I was looking at the life outcomes of these people and what are the comorbidities that they, that they deal with. And a lot of it was depression, anxiety, um, and just issues with mental health. I, I want to go back and say, not only do do they not teach so much about um, about holistic healing, about using alternative medicines. Uh, if you go to any family nurse practitioner program, they take one psych class. One. If you're working in a medical office, at least somewhere between twenty five to forty five percent of the people who come in for a physical symptom or having a mental health condition somewhere underneath that. So, but you're not even addressing any of those because you're just fixated on the physical issue that's going on. So you're not even addressing the mental health issue. So what, what, but why, what, so why do you think that's like, why is it like that? So I, I don't think it's by design. I hear you with your conspiracy theory. I don't think it's by design. I'm not, it's not a conspiracy theory. But do I, although it might be, <laughs> sounds like we might be on or something. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think that there's a, a huge failure um, on the part of academia. Right. No, yeah. At this point, I'm not thinking, well, maybe you you open up a can of worms. Now maybe it is a conspiracy theory. But no, maybe there just may not be that much uh, education catered to the nutrition aspect. I, I, I have a feeling that now moving forward, now when it comes to medical school and, and what they teach there, I think there's going to be a lot more of emphasis on overall nutrition consumption as well as, you know, kind of, you know, mental health aspect of, of how we can incorporate that into how we diagnose. I think it's evolving. It's just slow. Academia is always seven to ten years behind what's actually going on. Oh, especially when you're in the kind of the chokehold of uh, Big Pharma. And so I... So with big pharma, the main thing is as a prov as a provider, <laughs> as a provider, 
if I if I go to drugs that are um, generic, then there's nobody that's really making this crazy amount of money. It's when it's and forgive me my drug my drug rep friends, but it's when they bring you the new drug and they say, "Have you tried this? This is amazing." Which is kind of what you saw with dope sick and painkillers, where they brought were Purdue Pharma produced oxycontin. And they produced fake research to say that this is uh, an amazing painkiller, better than morphine, but not addicting. It's not addicting. And you want to go up on the dose and go higher on the dose, but it's not addicting. Don't worry. Now we have an opioid epidemic. So I think what happens is you have to be careful when these new drugs come out and you start to just loosely prescribe it just because the rep told you. Because the reps are cute. <laughs> also that by design oh yeah i mean isn't that the sales people that's yeah and sales you see there's beautiful women in sales everywhere no, no smart you gotta cater to the audience that's yeah i didn't know if or good looking guys i guess a, yeah yeah it's so accurate painkiller and dope sick it's very accurate so the, so you as the provider remember the one provider who's like this is bullshit this is addicting you're selling poison and he's like he's he's getting at, mad and irritable about it because he knows the truth but sometimes we as a providers don't have the time to go in and research all these different drugs that come out. Uh, True. It could be overwhelming if there's like 10, 15, 20 different. Hey, you got other things to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, oh, shit. And they're, they're, they're feeding you key points about these drugs that if you find somebody who meets that criteria, this is a good option. Now, granted, the, ins- the insurance is smart because this is managed care. So the insurance says, hey, you, healthcare provider, you can't prescribe this drug until that patient has failed this drug, this drug, and this drug, and then you could prescribe that. Because if not, they'll reject it. So oh, okay. So there are some checks and balances. Okay. So that yeah, yeah. So that's where it's not all all bad, right? It's not all doom and gloom. And yeah, what I, what I like about you and your approach is that it's like you you incorporate medicine and and and, and drugs in a way where it's like this is not my the first instinct is not to prescribe something but rather okay what's the problem how can we address it how can we fix it unless it's severe psychosis like my uncle leo medications are necessary you have somebody who's having paranoid delusions um somebody who is suffering in front of you they need it somebody who's having severe panic attacks yeah yeah extreme right where it's where it is really really apparent that there is no other alternative other than some type of medication but I think the first response should always be when in you something you preach. Obviously, what is it? What are you consuming? What's your diet like? Your lifestyle, your sleep patterns. What can we do? You're, you're, you have people to talk to. You have people to, to vent to. So, and then if you incorporate medicine in a safe and supervised manner, it might not be as gloomy and doomy as is what, what your perception. Right, but that's because his approach. W- that's what I'm saying. Your approach is, is admirable. Thanks, man. But I'm sorry. But I also think it's because of who you are and like your background, because you said that you've always been a physical person or at least an active person. So you understand that side as opposed to maybe, man, how many doctors have you gone or like when you go to a checkup or anywhere, like my doctor's not fit. Like he's not like active people. He doesn't put in the work. Yeah. So like you look at people like that and then it's like for, or not even that. Like I went to, um, I went to Baptist in, in, at the beach because I had messed up my back <laughs> one day. I was, like, stretching and something kind of tweaked. And I went, and I'm like, yeah, my back hurts, whatever. And he goes, oh, okay, well, yeah, we'll just prescribe you this, 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 and you want to do an x-ray? And I'm like, 
I don't know if I need one. And he goes, well, I mean, if you want, we can take you there if, if you want to. I said yes because I was freaking out. But it's not like he really, you know, asked me questions, checked me. Then again, maybe it's not his job. If anything, he probably would have referred me to somebody else. But he's just like, oh, okay, that, yeah, no problem. All right, yeah, we'll just. And then he goes over to the nurse and he goes, yeah, prescribe him this, 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 and he should be good to go. I'm just like. So you're just like a number. Yeah, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, sure, I'm sure it worked, but. Maybe there's something else, you know, that could have happened there. Maybe I could do other things rather than just take. So you left with a bad. You you left feeling like, what kind of service did I just receive? Yeah. Like there was, I, you were expecting something more. I don't. Yeah, I, I guess based on you know a little bit of how we opened up, like someone who would actually kind of care a little more. Yeah. But then again, you know, I've I've also I'm kind of framed to think that they don't care. So I just got what I expected. Honestly, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, that's sad. And and me as a as a person, so I I followed in the footsteps of uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Jose Orcasita. He'll never hear this. He's Panamanian Chinese, and he's uh, he's in a Hialeah, right up the street on 16th Ave. Um, this guy is phenomenal, and he was the first one who I shadowed, and I was in his clinic and in his office, and the way he treated every person. Now he was late as shit, so people would come in pissed, but he's like, hey. The lady before you, I took my time with her. You? Oh, yeah. I'm going to take my time with you. So I'm going to leave here at 730. If you don't like it, there's another doctor up the street. So I remember when I would hear that, I was like, oh. But it was he was very admirable to me because he took his time with every step of the way. And that was kind of like my mentor in the field where I, I modeled his behavior. And I said, I want to be that. I want to leave. I want my patients that when they come back, they're they're excited to talk to me. And I learned to document certain things in the note. I'll put things about what's going on in their life. So when I when they come back, I give them that personalized attention. Hey, how was the baby shower? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, how was your daughter's birthday? How was the graduation? Or did you resolve things with your wife? I remember last time she you slept on the couch. And you see people kind of like, "Oh shit, you remember." And it's I'm not cheating because that triggers my memory and it continues the conversation. Even if you're seeing 50, 100 people. And then they feel, like you, the patient, you leave like, damn, this guy cares. And so I try to tell all my people, like, man, write down those little, those little tidbits that they give you. And that way you deliver that personalized care and they know that you're invested. Where did you, where'd you get that from? You always thought that or you got that from somewhere? What's that? That like t- taking those like extra notes on stuff. I just something that I I started to do on my own, yeah. Dude, because I saw I saw a post also the other day that it was um I forgot who it was, but it was something like multimillionaire, billionaire back in the day, whatever. And then he had like this like world class Rolodex they they called him of like everyone that he fucking knew, and this was like some guy who had really good connections, right? And when they went through the Rolodex of all the names and all the phone numbers, they also noticed that there was notes of every single person in that Rolodex. So then if he ever had to follow up with someone, call someone, he had something to always talk about before whatever the purpose of the phone call was. So then kind of having that personalized care. So now as a person that you're always calling, like imagine someone that you haven't spoken to in a couple of years or maybe in a, in a couple months and you're just like, hey, what's up? What's, how's been going? Everything's good. Cool. But let's say you had some notes of something that you have known about them personally. And then you're like, dude, I haven't talked to you in a while, man. I remember you, you know, a while back you had told me about this. Whatever happened with that? You know, now you're changing it because now that person's on the other line. Like, instead of you thinking, like, oh, why is this guy calling me? To like, holy shit, this guy fucking cares, you know? And things like that, it, it just changes how kind of the interaction, 
you know, happens because now you're really invested in the other person. And I guess that's kind of how I guess most relationships really do prosper. You're actually putting attention into the other people and stuff like that. Man, I did want to ask you about everything that is that you do because you did provide us with these. Um, how is it? Here. Yeah, please, because I see all of this, and I feel like this is almost like a one-stop shop for almost anybody, whether you need help or not. I mean, this is almost like, I would say, if anything, everyone should go to something like this in, in some point of their lives just to make sure that everything is kind of foundationally right, I guess, in the basis. And then from there, we can really understand, you know, what kind of comes from this. So tell us a little bit of what, uh, about, you know, your clinic and everything that you do. My company is AMP Mental Health. Um, it's... I want to start off by saying this. I don't care who you are, what walk of life you're in, what situation you're in. It doesn't have to be A&P mental health. You should see a therapist. It doesn't mean you have to be going through a crisis. It doesn't mean that you have to be suffering at all. It could just help you kind of um, organize your life and find some direction uh, and, and sort out all these different things that maybe some unresolved ideas that you have in your mind. So A&P mental health, uh, we are a... Psych, we are a psychiatric office. We also offer therapy, and it says wellness on here, but that's the wellness comes from our approach in terms of looking at the patient holistically, making sure that they're physically active, sleeping well, eating well, have good social connections, and, and just feel heard. Um, we offer telehealth appointments across the state of Florida. We also offer in-person appointments. Our office is right off of Coralway and 14th, which is right in the Shenandoah area, which is between Brickell and Coral Gables. Um, yeah. We, we send your prescriptions directly to the pharmacy. COVID changed the game where we do the telehealth and I had to figure out how do I get these prescriptions there because I'm not writing a physical script anymore. Um, all my providers are licensed. We either have psychiatric nurse practitioners, licensed mental health counselors, li uh, licensed clinical social workers. Um, we accept over 25 insurances. So if whatever insurance you have, we probably accept it. Um, and we're huge on patient education because I believe that that's, that's the way that to not only treat mental illness, but to also prevent it. Um, I also believe in what's called collecting collateral information um, and getting what's called family-centered care, where we want to get the family involved. Obviously, only if the patient allows it, but it's extremely important to get the family involved. Like I saw with my Uncle Leo, there was no family involvement. There was no collecting of collateral information. So my uncle would show up to the office and say, I'm fine. Two days later, he's Baker acting because he wasn't fine, but he's able to put up a front and just kind of pull it together and smile and nod his head and carry on. So it's important to really offer that family-centered care, get collateral information, get the family involved. And treating the patient involves treating the family as a whole. Everybody needs to understand what's going on with them so that everybody could help, so that the patient isn't demonized for taking a pill, so that the patient isn't, just scrutinize for seeking mental health care. Does this make you a little bit different from other places? Because I think, one, I feel you're very passionate about it. And I think it's because you've lived it. You have personal stories that I feel like it's very important to you. Um, but is, is that what makes it different? Because you, one, again, you care. But two, you're, you're looking at kind of everything in a whole rather than just seeing people as a number. There's something different about you when you speak about this. Is that what really makes you different apart from everybody else from what you've seen? I, I mean, I don't know about, I, I wouldn't even compare myself to anybody else. Um, I just really believe in it and I really feel like people need it. And I don't, again, I'm, I'm being completely sincere when I say, I don't care if you don't come to my office. 
but you need to seek mental health care, if especially if you need it. Um, what different? What does differentiate us is a big issue that we found with other uh, offices was that you call them and let's say they don't offer the service that you're looking for, marriage counseling. Right now, I don't offer marriage counseling or eating disorders. We don't have a eating disorder specialist, which is a, an illness that is the the most that has the highest rate of morbidity out of all mental illnesses. So we don't offer that. It's a very specialized treatment. What we do have, I told my front office, we're going to create a list. We've made all these connections in the community. We're going to create a list. We're going to have the list of companies, the list of specialties they have, the list of insurances they accept, and the phone number, the email, et cetera, all the information. Why? So when somebody calls here, I want you to act like 401. So don't just say, sorry, we don't offer that here. Goodbye. Because that's what most people get from most companies. And I want to be a hub where even if you're not using us, we are still pointing you in the direction saying, hey, we don't do this, but call this office. If they are full or whatever, call us back. We're going to find something else. We're going to help you solve this issue. Navigating through healthcare, especially if you're somebody who doesn't have an education or just somebody who doesn't understand healthcare, um, it's very difficult. So I just wanted to make that easy because too many people run into brick walls. I found it when I was trying to book a, a therapy appointment. You found what? Like it, it being difficult? Yeah, I, I had. I, I went through the insurance. I went to my insurance. They gave me a list of providers. Yeah. <coughs> I start calling. No answer. No answer. No, we're full. No new patients. This, you know, insurance or it's way too far where like it has to be preg- pragmatic too because like if it's like an hour drive, how often, how realistic is it that I'm going to be going on a consistent basis? Has to make sense. So I think telehealth is has its pros and its cons. Yeah. One of the pros is availability and, and a lack of a just lack of a, of a barrier to care. For sure, and and it's it's because uh, I've done the 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 virtual ones before. Um, the good the good thing is you can do it from anywhere, and if you have a tight schedule, it could work. Uh, and for a lot of people who maybe aren't familiar with therapy, it's it. It's a way for for you to prevent having to sit in that office. There's other people. Yeah, like it's an easy way um, to kind of start off and, and, and get into that space and uh, not feel like, man, I'm out of place or, you know, especially for guys who feel like, man, I can't be talking to no stranger about my feelings. But if you're on the phone, you there's a little bit of a, a barrier, which in that case might be just what you want. Yeah, so, yeah, you have a little bit of a separation from that person, so they're they're far away. It's definitely, like, once you're familiar with the in-setting, obviously there's no substitution. It's in a great experience to be sitting there, and it's in that room, and you have that comfort. But for people who might not be as comfortable to be there, I think it's a great uh, solution, substitution, too. What made you comfortable to, to, to take that step to seek therapy? Because as a man, given that, you know, we're not supposed to, you know, what made you kind of say, you know? I mean, I guess I'm in the field, so I'm constantly exposed to it. So I just knew that there was a benefit to it. The first time I was actually exposed to therapy was when I was going through the separation with my ex. And this was years ago. Um, but I already knew, oh, I lie. I lie. I lie. Yeah. The first time I was forced to go to therapy. Forced. Forced. I had to go. And I don't I'll speak about it. I got arrested. 
Um, I got arrested for domestic violence. Clip that. So it wasn't domestic violence. Start the episode with that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't please don't. No, <laughs> they need some context, bro. Um, no, I, I, I got a. So it was a, a fight that I got into with my sister, um, where I was fighting over. Like I, I'm not even gonna get into the details out of respect for her, but it was a conflict between my sister and I. The police were called, and my sister's a beautiful young lady. And she was just like, that motherfucker right there. And I forgive my sister. It's, it's old news. is water under the bridge. I love my sister to death. I want to put that out there. Ellie, I love you. Um, but shit happens in families. And there's conflicts that happen. As a result, um, I had to go to... So I got a, a misdemeanor battery charge. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm in court. And I'm just like, well, they're, they're making me make a split-second decision. Do you want to go to trial or do you want pre-trial diversion? Well, what, what, what's the difference? They're giving you options like on the fly like this. And basically it was like, oh, no, but if you're convicted, if you go, to, if you go this route, you can serve up to 13, 14 months in, in, in jail. Uh, pre-trial diversion, you don't have, you'll, you'll never go to jail. You just have to go to some anger management courses, see a therapist, and then you're on your way. Uh, easy, easy answer. Yeah. No, I should have gotten a freaking a legit attorney instead of a public defender, uh, public yeah yeah a public defender, and said, "Oh, let me figure this out and pay the money." But I, I I definitely believe that everything happens for a reason, and I was introduced to this system. Number one, I spent a night in jail. That's a learning experience of, on its own. It's a it's pretty cool, pretty cool. Because even when I was in jail, I haven't even told the story to anybody. I was in jail. And there was a guy who I told that I was a nurse at the time already. And he starts telling me, Coño, can you talk to the nurse when he comes around? I need my medications for my seizures. Right? And when the nurse comes around, I start talking to him. Hey, listen, this guy takes Trileptal or Oxcarbazepine or whatever medication it was. And the nurse just dismisses me. And I remember looking through the bars and be like, hey, man. And I don't even remember what I told him, but I, I wanted to let him know, like, I'm on the same... I'm on the same page as you, and I'm trying to help this patient. So make sure that you take care of him because when he has a seizure here on this floor, it's on you, and I'm going to remember your name. He came back around and gave the medication. Oh. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. So, but And I just learned about what it felt like to go through that system. So later on down the road, when I had a patient who spent the night in TGK or who got moved over there or who was in the advocate program, I already knew what it was. I understood what it was. So I had already walked in those shoes. I had been through the system and I knew what was good and what was bad about it. Um, and, but I learned a lot of, from myself when I started to see that therapist. And it was just when I was stepping into the mental health field because I started off PICU and I hadn't, I had just gotten hired in the psych ward at Aventura Hospital. And then I had to tell my boss that I got arrested and she's like, it's okay. Denise O'Connell's is an amazing woman. Um, but that was, that was my introduction to, to me seeking therapy. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned that I had almost like a superhero complex where I put myself in that situation because if you and you are fighting, I'm trying to step in the middle and sometimes it's okay to step back and say, Hey guys, I hope you guys resolve this issue. I'm going to step away. So I, I, I saw that that was that triangulation was happening to me a lot in my life where I was stepping into scenarios to be a rescuer, to be a hero. 
Imagine I'm, I'm, I'm in healthcare. My whole mentality is to help people, to care for people, to salvage situations, to, to, to extinguish uh, or de-escalate conflict. But then I, st- I realized like, oh, there's times in life that you need to step back. There's times in life that you don't need to involve yourself. And that's, that's how they heal. Instead of you jumping in and trying to help, maybe you just not being a part of it is the help that they need. And then being there for them after the fact. Oh, you're still going through the conflict. Now you're coming to me for help. Okay. But I shouldn't step in and intervene if you should welcome and allow them to come to you. Yeah. Sometimes you got to, you know, the the best thing to do is not do anything, you know, instead take a step back and kind of observe, I guess. That's crazy how life works. And like every, every lesson that you go through is a, is a teaching moment for you. And maybe that's exactly what needed to happen, you know, at the time. So I like that. Um, I had a question that I was going to ask you. In terms of mental health, why did you want to get so involved with uh, with mental health, especially with men? So it was more so because of my uncle. Um, I saw my uncle suffer, and I it wasn't only seeing my uncle suffer again. It was how did my uncle suffer? How did his wife suffer? How did his kids suffer? How did my grandmother, my mom, and everybody surrounding the family suffer? How did his job suffer because he was constantly he's an elevator mechanic? Uncle's a brain, bro. This guy's the smartest guy I know. If like, like if that com- if that camera breaks, he's he, if you told him, hey, let's open it up and see, he he won't hesitate. He won't hesitate. So he's just a very intelligent person, and I, but I saw how that illness affected him. Actually, I hadn't. It's funny that I called my aunt this morning. Um, I called my aunt this morning out of the blue. I haven't spoken to them for a while, and I was just like, damn, how's Betty and Leo doing? So I called my aunt at 7 in the morning. She's, you know, a Hispanic woman. Ah, I'm scared. What's going on? And I'm like, Tia, everything is good. I'm just dropping off Eva at school, and I wanted to see how you were doing, so that's why I'm calling you. And so she starts talking to me about life. But one of the, the biggest things she said is um, my uncle started taking a depot injection. A depot injection is a, a long-acting injection. Before, it was always pills that you take daily. An antipsychotic you take daily. Now they have injections that you inject it once a month almost how women inject birth control or they have the oh in their arm right yeah yeah they have or they use a patch or whatever um so that those last a month they don't have to take the pill every day same principle with antipsychotics um and she starts telling me that you know she's she really wished for this a long time he's been stable he's been stable he hasn't been hospitalized his life is stable he's not having these episodes of psychosis because this was a seasonal thing you guys got to understand, this was happening every four to six months and sometimes even shorter intervals in between. Uh, and so what she described to me was like, you know, he's sleeping more and he's tired. Uh, but I wouldn't trade his life right now for anything because we have peace. There's not this like, when's the train coming to hit us? Uh, when is the storm coming? It's just stability. And she hadn't felt that for a long time. And I said to her, because she was complaining that, about his weight and i said to her well because some so some of the side effects of antipsychotics is weight gain metabolic syndrome so increased uh, cholesterol levels weight gain you're also tired bigger abdominal circumference sexual side effects so this is why men oftentimes stop taking the medications because they're doing good on the medication they might have the mentality i feel good i don't need this pill anymore which happens to men and women um but then on top of that if you have to choose between getting an erection and having sexual intercourse with your wife, who you want to be intimate with, 
right? This is this is a relationship podcast, right? Yeah. right? So if you want to be intimate, um, but you can't, and you know it's the pill that's keeping you from just from getting an erection. So then after a while, you're like, well, I'm going to get laid, so let me stop this for a couple of days so I can be, you know, preparado. Um, but a man will stop doing that. So I asked her, I said, well, would you trade Leo how he is now um, versus versus how he was before, even though he's, he's heavier, um, he's sleeping more? She's like, oh, no, I'll take this Leo all day because I love him to death, and I know... I know that although it, it, it is it has its negative side effects, but the positive outweighs the negative tenfold. Tenfold. So it's uh it's probably why I'm so passionate about it because I came into this thinking what care did my uncle not get? Right. And I think I think when you talk a lot to a lot of healthcare providers, I think that's where they're coming from. They're coming from that place of this happened to my family or I had this experience and how do I now take that energy and project it to the world? How do I turn this around? Yeah. When you first, when we first started off this segment um, and you had brought up, up your, your, your uncle, I, I, that's what I figured. That's why you got into it, yeah. you know, and, and it makes sense. You know, it's like you saw this happening so close to you. It's like, what else would I dedicate my life to then other than help making sure that this doesn't happen to other people yeah. out there? So I, I, I'm glad we had you on today, and I'm glad you, you kind of shared some of your insight. And, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing because you're killing it, you know. And you said you just turned 40, right? This I just turned 40, man. Oh, you fucking, yeah, the whole life ahead of you. <laughs> no, I feel, yeah, I feel great. I feel 25, but. TRT? Man, the TRT has me. TRT pumped. kicking yeah. in. Uh, how have you been on it, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, since uh, June. Of this year, June, so July, August, September, October, November, like five months. Awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Still got time now. I know I'm thirty, thirty-one almost. So we'll see. But I'm considering it too. But it's it's a little. Well, when's have you checked your levels? Yeah, they're low. Well, how low? If you don't mind me asking. No, I don't mind at all. Uh, the latest ones I checked were I think three ten. Oh, you could definitely. No, I I could, but then it's like I won't have kids. And then when you get on of it, HCG, it it kind of lowers your sperm count. I think when I got my when I got my shit checked, I think it was right around that that too. After I had to go back because I think that something was a little off when they did the check. That they're like, "Can you come in? We gotta recheck the labs." Yeah, gotta double check. It wasn't for testosterone; it was for something else. But I did. I had asked her I'm like, "Oh, I think I also got you know testosterone checked," and she was like, "Oh yeah, I can tell you that." I think she had said it was like three twenty five. It's low. And I remember you were telling. That's when I had asked you, and I'm like, "Fuck, I'm low." Yeah, but it's it's because you already you don't want any more kids, right? Or it, that's a good question. Now, me and my actually that's a loaded question. Um, my girlfriend and I were, have just been going through it. Um, in terms of like we were trying to figure out what direction to go in, and I was at the stage of my life where I'm like, do I really want kids? My daughter's 14. How old is she? My daughter's uh, my girlfriend is 30. So she wants kids. Oh, Rebecca wants kids. She so she will leave me. So I was like, you know what? I no, she doesn't have any kids. Okay, then yeah, of course, yeah. dude. <laughs> you gotta you also gotta be fair as well because exactly so it was but but it was again so there's a relationship podcast this is something that we had to put on the table and it was like which direction do we go in how'd you guys handle that conversation we went to we went no we went to therapy man really yeah we're still yeah. going we were still going to therapy yeah for sure and i speak openly about it because these these are the situations that people run into this time after right. time right. um and, and and people don't want to they don't want to acknowledge it but man you could be you could have these difficult situations and difficult conversations 
But if you put them on the table and you actually have them, you avoid a lot of the bullshit because you just have to speak your truth. I think that's where men fall short. Men fall short in not speaking their truth. If you're coming into a relationship, tell them who you are. Don't play a role. Don't try to be somewhere else, someone else. Don't wear a mask. Be yourself. And if she doesn't want you for who that person is, because that's who you are, you are you're living your truth, then, bro, there's, there's 8 billion people on this planet. So you need, to, you need to go to the next one. But guys, their egos need to be stroked, so they need to win her and keep her. And it's like you don't have to keep her. She's not yours because you're giving her somebody else that's not you. Why would you want to be with somebody that is really not meant f- to be with you? So it's like it's like they're attra- the person you're with is attracted to the person you're like pretending to be. It's not even you, bro. Like that sucks, dude. It's like a job just to try to be someone you're not. Yeah, all day long. But I've lived it before. Yeah. Oh, me too. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now that we're older, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But now that I'm older, I could never go back. Let's. Say, I mean, obviously, I'm in a very healthy relationship with 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 my lovely girlfriend, and God forbid things don't work out, I would never find myself in a position where I would try to be somebody that I'm not. Or, and I feel like maybe sometimes guys they would they pretend to be somebody else because them pretending deep down they maybe they want to be somebody else, right? Yeah, it's like if I tell you this is who I am. I'll believe it too, and I'll live it. I live it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you, you can only live the life for so long because it'll come out. It might take a year, it might take two or three years, but it'll come out. No, I, I'm in the healthiest relationship I've been, and I've I I am the most vulnerable I have ever been in every aspect of my relationship, like being real. But uh, but uh, but I also would like to believe so because you've also the oldest you've ever been, the wisest you've ever been, you've experienced the most life you ever have. So. It's it's easier to say for you now, looking at you being forty years old, ten years ago, that conversation probably wouldn't have been the same. No, I was dumb. I would have hit it. I wouldn't have. Right. So it's like you're also the the wisest person you've ever been in terms of like your own knowledge, right? And so are you, and so am I. So I'd like to believe that if you don't, like the present you is in the better is in the best relationship. How shitty would it be if you had better relationships when you were younger and now you're older and you fuck it up even worse? I think that would be frustrating uh, as well, you know? So, but yeah. I, I think what I've learned is, because vulnerability had such, like, a bad rap, and you would you would almost see it as, oh, you're weak, and you can't be, you can't talk about your feelings. What I'm understanding is, and, and you just said it right now, that, that you know, you're, you're, you're in the most healthy relationship, yet you're, you've been your most vulnerable. I think it's because you also are very clear with your intention and you're also secure within yourself of those insecurities and either what has to be done or kind of how to manage them. Cause what I've learned is cause there's some days that I have to vent to my partner and I'm telling her shit that I, I, I come out of it. And I'm like, man, I feel like such a pussy, but she doesn't treat me like that because I then think to myself, man, I'm telling her this, but I also know what has to get done. So, like, I'm telling her, you know, maybe I'm bummed out about this, but I'm like, you know what, but this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I've this talked about this, yeah. Yeah, I, I brought this up. Or, or it'll be like, man, like, I'll just be so stressed where I look at her and I'm just, like, holding her. I've even shed tears with her because I was so stressed out with work. And then, you know, she was there for me and then I got out of it and then I'm like, all right, this is what has to get done, you know? She was my support system, is my support system. So, 
now when I approach vulnerability with her, it's almost like we can have an open conversation where I welcome her to talk. I, I then share my things. And then together we're like, all right, but how, what do we do about it? It's not so much of like, well, here are my problems and I'm not going to do shit about it. And then every single day I'm there complaining in your ear of all my fucking problems. I'm trying to, this is vulnerable. Women don't want this. Yeah, they don't want that shit, dude. They want someone, okay, you can have problems, but what the fuck are you going to do about your problems? And I think that that's the difference that well, men, when we talk about, oh, it's, it's, well, if you're vulnerable, they'll leave you. No, motherfucker. Everyone's going to have some problems. Women are stupid if you think that men don't have problems. We got problems up, up the wazoo. Too many fucking problems. Shit that you wouldn't even understand. But if we can't talk to you about it, then what do we do? That's when we feel a little bit stuck. And I feel like if we did share that information, but then also said, listen, but this is what I'm doing about it. I feel like that just, it changes completely the delivery of that vulnerability. Well, the thing is, how do you teach a man? It's important to teach men that there's strength in vulnerability because like you said, if I know where I'm vulnerable and I know what's weak, now I can fortify it. I can strengthen it. But if I don't and I want to ignore it, then I'm never going to attack it. I'm never going to go after that part of me that's weak. So it's always going to be a weakness. But now if I bring it to the light and I say, I went to jail, hold it against me. That's a weakness, right? Some people might say, oh, that's bullshit. No, I actually, I, I learned from it. I gained something from it. Now, if I had shame that I wanted to hide it, now I couldn't use that story to tell other people that have been to jail, like, hey, there, maybe something positive came out of it. Did something positive come out of it? Or what is your what is your weakness? What is going on with you? All right, now what are you going to do about it? Right, 100%. And I think that that should be the approach that we take, I think, with men. As, as especially now that, you know, we're, we're shedding more light on the to the conversation of mental health, especially for men and, you know, being vulnerable and, you know, kind of let the ego aside so you could be yourself and not pretending to be somebody. Cause I mean, I get to a certain point you want to have imposter syndrome because you do want to kind of believe up to a certain point that you want to do better, but you also have to practice. Like you have to walk the walk. You can't just say it and then not do shit about it. And I think that's a problem with this whole vulnerability conversation where you'll say shit, then nothing gets done think we have to also walk the walk. And I feel like that's where if we can encourage men to say, hey, it's all right if you got problems, dude. But the problem is if you do nothing about that. Because, I mean, at least as men, like I find fulfillment and, and I find joy and happiness and I'm proud of myself when I get shit done, you know? Or when I solve a problem. Like my girl, she's there. And, and I'm sure maybe you guys are in the same position. Your girl be telling you all these problems and in your head you're just like, dude, this is the solution. She don't give a fuck about the solution. She wants you to hear the problem. She wants you. Yeah, yeah. She wants you to digest the problem that she's going through and just listen. But we don't want to, bro. I'm thinking like I could solve this in three seconds, dude. Or am I listening to this? But no. So I think that 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 having that mentality, I think, is like you know, you know, we can also show that hey, we have our problems too. But then we also have to apply that the same way that we're looking for solutions of like how we can help our partner because we don't want to see them struggle. You like seeing when your girl's like oh, stressed out or frustrated. You're like, dude, like I'm here for you. Yeah. Right? Who's there for us? And I think that that's where, if we had that approach, then we'd be able to be more open, more vocal, where it'd be more receptive. Not just with our partners, but also with other men as well, which I think that's what you're trying to accomplish. The light. Q, we're going to wrap it up now. Oh, wrapping it up now. Yeah, we don't really need that much light. But I think that that's kind of the direction that, that we have to go to. So with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and earlier, just to wrap it up, you were saying like how to help other people and it's like it starts with having a conversation and you know obviously it is time to kind of uh, close off but thank you for adrian for coming on the show we don't have like we can't like plug that in really quick plug with it no because it would have to charge for oh hey i'll step into the light over here no i just want to say shot i want to give a shout out to my people in the office because if not um so shout out to to janet guzman to lily to daisy to vanessa 
and to Megan, who's new, who, who's holding down the fort every day. To all the providers out there, thank you guys for everything you do at AMP Mental Health. Um, you guys, without you, this practice would not be anything. So thank you so much. Um, that's it, man. Well, man, I wanted to fucking... I'm saying we're, I, to just roll with the lights just like how it is right now. I mean, yeah, ask him a question, but... And then we'll wrap up. Yeah, 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 we're going to... Okay, so, um, Dr. Mesa. So we came out with a card game not too long ago with the hopes of kind of promoting healthy conversation with not only you and your partner, but in fact, I think this could be played with a lot of other people as well. There are some questions that are kind of relationship specific, but all in all, the the idea is let's ask real questions, okay, in order for us to really understand who it is that we're talking to. And um, it's funny because we played this card game with a, with a couple of our friends, and some questions are a little bit out there, but we just skip over those. We get the ones that kind of make sense. But it really allowed us to, to just kind of dig a little bit deeper and really just ask questions that, you know, we kind of oversee. So in relationships where we talk about, oh, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite number? Where do you like? No, fuck all that bullshit. We ask a deeper question. So if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. That way you can kind of see what it's about. And then in hopes, you know, maybe we get some good uh, content out of this, okay? So I hand-selected some questions that I feel like are going to be more uh, more catered to this conversation as well as you yourself. So we'll go with number one. Um, okay. What are some core values you would want to teach your children, in this case your daughter? Empathy. I mean, that's that's everything. If you, if you have empathy for the person, like uh, I, I've been taking my daughter to, to see the homeless since she was so young. And so she has empathy to understand, like, I don't, I see what that person's situation is right now, but I don't know, I don't know what they've been through that put them in that situation, as opposed to the easy thing is to judge them, and then we could just move on and not even deal with whatever problems they had in the background. So I think empathy goes not only for the homeless, but for anybody. If we have empathy for each other, and you come in and you're irritable, I don't just say, what an asshole. I say, I wonder what's going on with them. Yeah, <laughs> I do that now. Because my, yeah, my girlfriend, because she'll be like, oh, like, because she's a photographer and sometimes she's there doing business shit and she's talking to people, they'll leave her on red or they'll fucking respond to her like a bitch. And I'm like, dude, who knows what the fuck they're going through, bro? Like, don't take it to heart. Like, get, like, people are going through a bunch of shit. You have your problems too. Like, the hell. That guy has a, probably had a bad day. Don't let him ruin yours. That's his fucking problem. It's a really good one, actually. I like that one. All right. Question number two How was your relationship with your parents growing up? So I had a strong relationship with my parents. Um, my mom was always like the creative one, the one who wanted to show us. Uh, yeah, she just wanted to show us like different things. But I do remember just always feeling like, why the fuck aren't they on my baseball game? I just hit, I just, I just fucking hit two doubles. I got a bunt that I brought in a run. Like I, they put me in the pitch. I'm not even a pitcher, bro. <laughs> Where are they at? But and nothing. So actually, it was right up the street at HA. Um, and I just remember it. So that's one thing that I think always stays in my head. Like, why weren't you there? So now, but I think that there's, there's always something to build off of that. So now my daughter has a soccer game. I'm there. I got my camera in my hand, you know. And maybe she doesn't value it now. But the other day I was texting her and I just shot her a couple of pictures that I took. And she was, you could tell she's like, oh, these are cool. Yeah, yeah. They know. They know for sure. They certainly know if, they, if you're not there. So being there, I think it's so important. I think that's also a great opportunity as, as a parent that you can almost, like, you're in control now of what you can do of what you didn't have, exactly. you know? 
uh, when you were being raised. Yeah. And who knows, maybe your daughter, when she has her own family in the future, she will then say, you know, my dad, maybe there was something that I wanted differently. And then that's where she has that next generation to, because who knows what problems they're going to experience in the future that we have no idea that yeah. don't exist right now. Oh, I already know. It's like she's a single, she's a only child. And she tells me all the time. So that's her shit. Don't. She tells people all the time when they're pregnant. She just tells them, have two. <laughs> oh, okay. She knows, she knows. Yeah, this guy has got, what, seven? Uh, I have seven siblings. Oh, I thought he was going to say seven kids. I was like, no, no, seven siblings. Seven siblings. All right. Last, uh, last question I got for you today, okay? Do you ever compare yourself to other people or maybe before when you were younger? Do I ever compare myself? I, for sure, when I when I was younger, I would, um, because I remember a lot of my friends. Uh, my friend Louis Sender, he's been the vice president of ANF. It was a construction group since I was since he was like nineteen, twenty years old. Um, my friend Tony, he's a chiropractor, has a bunch of offices, and I think when I was younger, uh, and I was a nurse, right? So uh, it was a little bit of un complejo where, yeah, yeah. So it was like, oh wait, like, oh, and then they would talk about money, and these guys are talking about figures that I'm like, well, I'm making seventy grand a year. I don't know. I got benefits. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I remember as I was younger, it affected me. It was more so like, yeah, how do I how do I get up to their status? Yeah, yeah. But it's cool now because a lot of times they were talking about entrepreneurship or they were talking about different business ventures. And unknowingly, they were planting seeds that helped me now. Um, and I would always ask Tony when we, were, we would go to the Keys and I would just have conversations with them and say, hey, like, what if I do this? And what do you think about this? But just shooting ideas, but no action. No actionable steps behind those ideas. Uh, but it was just good to have those conversations. So I, for sure, when I was younger, I would judge myself. Right now, if you ask me who's your competition, whether it's in business or in life, it's me versus me, baby. All day, me versus me. I love it. I love it. That's a good way to close off. That's good, all right? Well, with that being said. Yeah, time to break up. It is time to break up. Uh, by breaking up, we uh, we like to end with the final thoughts. And uh, final thoughts, it's basically, it's you with the camera, you with us, however you want the final delivery message that you'd like to kind of either share with your younger self or maybe something that you're really passionate about that you just want to share with the world. It could be a quote or it could just be something that you just, again, it's really important to you that you just want everybody else to know. Um, and then after that, sell yourself where they can find you and all that good stuff. You, you had said it earlier, but said it one more time. So again, yeah, final thoughts. Got you. A Jerry Springer moment. Yeah. <laughs> To anybody out there who is going through a struggle, uh, who is having any sort of life issues, seek help. There's, there's nothing. There's not. It's not. It's not about weakness. It's there's strength and vulnerability. You aren't alone. There's a lot of caring providers that are out there that just are are trained to help you. It's different than seeking advice from your abuela, your cousin, your prima, your friend. It is people who are going to look at your life objectively. And help you sort through those problems without bias. Uh, it's going to be the healthiest thing you do for yourself, your future self, your kids, and everybody surrounding you. So if you need mental health help, just go seek it. And where can they find you, sir? And you could find me. So my so first and foremost, my practice is AMP Mental Health. That's www.ampmentalhealth.com. The Instagram is at AMP Mental Health. My Instagram is at Dr. Adrian Mesa. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I mean, you can find me on any. Frick. Put it in the description and you'll just click it. It'll, it'll pop up. So, yeah. Adrian, thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it. No, thank you guys, bro. Really. Thank you, my friend. It was a great episode. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. Until next time. See you guys. Peace out. Peace.